Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... It's really about systems change across finance and entrepreneurship. So impact investment is like a really broad remit across so many sectors. And you don't sort of come in as an expert on any of them. So it's been quite a humbling experience to work with all those areas of the economy where people are trying to create social, cultural and environmental impact. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 318 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Sven Stenvers. Sven has over 20 years experience building early stage businesses across intergenerational growth sectors, including impact finance, clean energy, tech and broadband, dot-com booms Mark 1 and Mark 2, and privately held ASX-listed and multinational companies. Passionate about systems change finance and entrepreneurship, he co-founded Impact Seed in 2015 with a firm belief in local and circular economic models as the way forward for all investment in business. Regenerative finance, where social, environmental, cultural and financial benefit are inextricably linked. Sven was key to the development of Australia's first place-based impact investment fund, the $20 million WA Impact Fund. Is a founding board member of the WA Social Enterprise Council, or WASEC, the Impact Investment Alliance of Western Australia, a panel judge for the Macquarie Kickstarter program, an Individual Outstanding Achievement Award winner at the 2020 Australian Impact Investment Awards. He is also a director, advisor for a number of social enterprises. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Sven's insights into the social enterprise sector in Western Australia and more broadly across Australia. And we'll also talk about the impact investing landscape in Australia and gaps that exist to help accelerate business for good. So with that said, Sven, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. It's hard to hear the bio read back to you like that bit of a story of an emergence more than here's a stack of things that I've done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And look, it's, it's an impressive bio at that, Sven. So kicking off, let's learn a little bit more about your background and what it was that led to your passion in social enterprise and impact investing. Yeah, so to that backstory, that's probably a 15-year backstory of not being in the impact investment and social enterprise space yep. that uh, Kylie, my co-founder, coined a while back being a corporate refugee yeah uh, so that's that's pretty much kind of stuck as a as the easy answer but mm. um, corporate and early stage business growth businesses is where I spent most of my life yeah so it's been it's been an emergence of, of you know really just identifying what I did and didn't want there's been a lot of uh, personal ups and downs in that as well but mm. um, yeah so I, I guess in a nutshell, um, I was involved in a lot of 
M and A, you know, coming through startups that, that corporatized and, and and doing M and A, you realise, or merger and acquisitions for those that uh, don't do the acronym bingo. M um, and A is often about reducing costs, yep. adding profit to the bottom line, and that affects people's livelihoods, mental health, yep. and this kind of speaks to my political worldview as well, and sort of not really being comfortable making money when you know my politics were probably a little bit different than how I make my money. It's, hmm. it's about offshoring, delocalization, poorer service and, and and more profit. And that's kind of not really where I wanted to be. Um, and I lost a loved one um, in the late 2000s. So around 2008, I, I went into running uh, one of the first solar startups in WA. And that was kind of the first time that I sort of had an inkling that that this space might of, of profit for purpose might be where I wanted to mm. land. So I, I'm coming out of that business, the the solar startup in 2012, I think it was. I met um, my co-founder Kylie, who was running a social enterprise in Cambodia, mm. and that really interested me because you know it was going deeper on deeper on impact, and and I was also kind of looking at the startup space because that's where I spent my time previously and yeah. startups for good. And in WA, people often say that we're like two or three hours and, you know, 20 or 30 years behind everywhere else, which is maybe a little bit unfair because mm. there's a lot of good happening here as well. But at the time, there were a lot of accelerator programs in WA that were actively anti-social enterprise and drilling founders on either being charity or business. Yep. And... And that sort of made me think, well, you know, it's this is more about focus on scaling and exiting and, and, and just profit. Yeah. And, unicorn and not, culture. Yeah, unicorn culture. So not um, not communities, not about the environment, you know, unless it's sort of a byproduct of, of making profit. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like impact investment and social enterprise really looked like the way forward in 2014 and, and it was definitely – a market gap here in WA because it was poorly understood and, you know, not really supported as well. And so that gap in the market um, was kind of our start on the journey, but it was a terrible business model to set up a market builder, <laughs> <laughs> especially back then. Yeah. It's it's really funny, Sven, hearing you talk that through because there are just so many parallels, I think, in, in our journey and even looking at that sort of time frame as well and and – and looking at where we were, you know, not just in, in Brisbane, on, but on the more so the eastern seaboard in terms of the, the sort of accelerator programs and support that existed back then that was very strong in its approach towards ultimately the creation of unicorns. And um, in many ways, there were a lot of other things that felt very wrong about that. You know, it was very strong numbers and focuses towards when when you looked at the the programs of of a skew towards supporting typically white males between the ages of twenty to twenty eight, you know, in, in a sort of club type mentality, and it it's it's definitely changed a lot since then, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I remember one of our earlier conversations. Impact boom emerged out of this innovation boom idea, which was yeah. you know let, let's fund more of that tech bro culture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right that's absolutely right and there was there was an ad at the time saying um australia we need an ideas boom and it was like no we don't need an ideas boom we we need to do something valuable with these ideas and I, and ideas are cheap right and, and 
they're easy to have, but to actually execute on them and create impact at the same time is, yeah, absolutely. Probably the the conversation we had, right? But let's let's pull it back to Impact Seed because, you know, there's a lot of great projects that you're involved with there. So tell us a bit more about these and, and why you exist really as an organization. Yeah, so um, if you kind of accept the premise that there's a gap in the market and it needs to be filled and, and we're in the business of filling that gap, then it's really about systems change across yep. finance and entrepreneurship. So impact investment is like a really broad remit across so many sectors and you don't sort of come in as an expert on any of them. So it's been quite a humbling experience to work with all those areas of the economy where people are trying to create social, cultural and environmental impact. Mm. And we're involved in everything from Aboriginal economic development, um, NFP-led social enterprises, there's regenerative agriculture projects, um, like more and more lately, there's this concept of circular economy, social enterprises. And what what are they? How are they defined? Well, it's, I, I think it really comes down, especially in 2022, um, with this sort of preponderance and mushrooming of, of, of ESG yeah. over the last couple of years, um, it really becomes about what is your impact? So it's mm-hmm. impact measurement impact strategy and management you know that's the linchpin of anything calling itself an impact investment or a social enterprise yes so that's become a focus of ours to kind of raise the bar of impact to kind of elevate these real impact ventures from esg and impact greenwashing which just um is, is is where all of the noise and confusion is created right now so we've worked with groups like wide open ag uh noir land enterprise group on, on developing their impact um, strategies, and we've worked with funds as well on develop on developing their impact platform mm. to sort of move past SDG and, and ESG greenwashing. Yeah, and right. then we we also kind of really go deep on the social enterprise capacity building side. So just in the last six months, we've um, been really privileged to uh, work with a team of uh, an alliance rather of ten. Uh, traditional owner groups in the Pilbara. Mm, amazing. Yeah, and, and that's that's not a space we wanted to go into. You know, we were invited into that, and that's it, again, it's really humbling. You know, it's it's we learn much more, and I think get much more than 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 we probably give back, which mm. um, is uh, it's, it's just a wonderful space to operate in. Yeah. So these groups are looking at land use across their native title determinations to develop businesses um, on country that. Are built on a social enterprise model um, mm. so areas like tourism carbon native seeds aboriginal products uh, and then a couple of months ago uh, as we kind of talked about a little bit earlier um, uh, after a two-year-long conversation with paul ramsey foundation we've just had one of the first multi-year grants that lets us address that sort of social enterprise development work where we've mm. we've done pro bono over many years now where social entrepreneurs come to us with an idea or you know they're they're actively working in a business and they need help <clears throat> help with growth and and that's 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 been an unfunded part and a very important part of of developing um, the social enterprise ecosystem here because without without support for social entrepreneurs you know they're really pushing it uphill yes yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's that's been amazing with Paul Ramsey um, coming coming to support us here. 
Yeah, it's a fantastic opportunity and, and will be great to, to track the delivery of, of what seems to be a really exciting project there. So congratulations on getting that across the line. We spoke in June 2020 with Kylie Hansen and Pat Ryan, who were two of the other founding members at uh, the Western Australian Social Enterprise Council. And this was at a time, Sven, which was pretty much just after the network's recent launch. So since that time, what progress has been made and how is WASEC supporting members? So June 2020, that that was pretty much um, as it was sort of being born out of the fire and uncertainty of of, of COVID, which really complicated things, but it was a, it was a good opportunity. So at, at the time, I think the National Alliance was also forming Asena, so yes. we, we we contributed to that that process as well. Um, it actually took I think twelve months for us to have our first in person launch event. Uh, so that was last year. Yep. And and WASEC still runs as an unfunded volunteer driven council. Mm. Um, there's a couple of initiatives underway that we've booked into the Social Enterprise um, World Forum activation that I'm really hoping will support the recruitment of an of an of an EO role um, over the next month or two. Mm. So I guess to answer that question, um, we've been advocating with government um, through WASEC for policy and funding for the sector. Um, we've we've worked with the SENA to contribute towards the um, establishment of a, a sort of, you know, federal policy framework in the lead up yep. to the federal election. Um, so there's been a lot of engagement with local candidates um, locally ahead of ahead of the election. And, and there's, there's been some pretty good responses there. So um, it's really been an advocacy piece over the last 12 months. And then going forward, we've got some um, an event series coming up that's um, linked into the Social Enterprise World Forum over July and August. That's fantastic. And, you know, there's certainly a lot been going on there and it'll be great to see, you know, those, those events happen as well. So what, what are your current observations then, Sven, of, of the social enterprise sector right now in Western Australia? WASEC's ha- spoken with a lot of um, state and federal politicians that, that don't really grasp what social enterprise is and how mm. and how how it can contribute to things that we all want in the economy. Yeah, creating public value through business models. Patrick Gorman, who's the federal member for Perth, gave the keynote, and he was probably one of the few that, at a state or federal level, that was able to clearly understand and articulate mm. the support of social enterprises in creating this new economy. Yeah. So I think what we've got here is. We need to reduce the failure rate of the, the. So, if you put social enterprise in the context of startups and small business, yep. small business has a really high three-year failure rate, as we know. Yeah, startups work on a ninety-five percent failure rate, and yet there's the millions of dollars of taxpayers' money going into them under the banner of innovation, tech, jobs, and growth, yep. which we talked about a bit earlier. So, tying that back to WASEC. The, the largest chunk of social enterprise members here in WA are businesses that are less than three years old. So mm. they're up against it and they need they need the same sort of catalytic support as the tech and innovation ecosystem gets through innovation funding. Yeah. So I think government really needs to understand the importance of assuming its role in catalyzing the sector mm. because we're, we're, we're trying to 
we're trying to create economic value, but we're trying to cr- make sure that that's on the same footing as social, environmental, and cultural impacts. So, you know, if you really want to talk about sustainable business and, and creating all of the outcomes that government should be accountable for, mm. social enterprise is a key part of that answer. Yeah, yep, it's a great point. And you have brought up in this conversation now at various times, you know, ESG and in prior to that, you know, we we're talking about the language of CSR and shared value and, you know, all of these other um, sort of iterations. So bringing it back to impact investment and just with that sort of lens of that you know, potential green or social washing sort of happening, where do you see opportunities for impact investment to better support impact-led businesses? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of tension, I think, now more so than, you know, when this, when this sector really kind of took off a decade ago mm. there's a lot more tension now around the growth of impact investment in 2022 i think fund managers are kind of seeing a new label to stick on their product and yeah. and they just stick this impact label on it and then nothing changes and and i guess going back um a lot of what what's been done in impact investment in australia over the decade has been in renewable energy and property which is low-hanging fruit and doesn't really try hard towards deepening impact. Mm. Uh, so I think we can do a lot better through having effective impact standards. Yeah, you know what are what are impact standards? Well, it's it's more than an SDG colour bar and a weak program logic and an investor memorandum. It's it's really about using finance to to kind of shift the power balance from from growth and you know guaranteed above market rate returns. Yep. To something that resembles more systems change that we need mm. um, balancing those returns with the impact yeah if we if we could ever get to do blended finance and concessionary you know this sort of vaunted concessionary rate impact investment at scale like the change that's possible there is it's enormous it's enormous yeah mm, absolutely there's some great perspectives there sven so you mentioned too earlier how you have been involved with Asena and that sort of happened around the same time as, as the formation of WASEC. So if you could really bring it down to one key sort of strong opportunity that you see for the social enterprise sector in Australia, what does that look like and what do you believe is needed to build on this current momentum that we're seeing sort of in the lead up to the, the World Forum in September but beyond as well? This is probably the most exciting year in this sector that I've seen so far. You know, look, we've got seven state and and territory peak bodies like WASEC. Yep. We've got the, the, the national body of SENA. We've got the Social Enterprise National Strategy happening and the Social Enterprise World Forum. And and I think that bringing those, um, the, act, the, the different actors in the, in, in the ecosystem together and using using them as, as, a, as, a, as a force to sort of catalyse and un- unlock funding, social procurement, not, not only from government but businesses as well, yeah. and, and then bringing foundations along to sort of help um, social enterprise scale. I, I think that there's m- more of an opportunity now than, the, than there ever was. You know, I think this combination of support for social enterprise is always what we've needed, but I think mm. I, I just feel like through all of what's happening through those initiatives this year, we might end up um, with something that we haven't, a kind of change in growth in the sector nationally that we haven't seen before. Let's keep working hard towards it, right? Yeah, totally. 
So to give our listeners a few tangible sort of examples, what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently that are creating some great positive social change? I mean, there's so many, it's really hard. To <laughs> yeah, it is hard to refine down. It's really hard to focus on one, and I could go on about this all day. Um, there's there's some amazing social enterprise and impact venture going work going going on in, in regional WA, um, and the regions often don't sort of get get elevated, you know, enough. So I, I think you know, we, we, I just want to call out like we've got one of the global leaders in regenerative farming, Diane Ian Haggerty. Um, they have their nat- natural intelligence farming project in the northern wheat belt, which is which is really showing what can be done to regenerate landscape and community mm. in one of the driest parts of the wheat belt. You know, if you can do it in, in the in the in the in the wheat belt, which is suffering a population decline and a loss of community, yep. um, you you can do it anywhere. Um, uh, up north we've got uh, the Gunnalilly Centre in, in the Pilbara, which is run by the Injabadi people. So they, they transformed the old hotel in Roeburn into a a world class cultural interpretation centre with a, with an art gallery and a cafe mm. blended in um, on a social enterprise model that's creating employment opportunities for, for local people. In the southwest, we've got, I think, Noir Land Enterprise Group is one that we kind of talk about a lot for their um, social enterprise tree farm, which creates employment for at-risk youth. Mm. And these, these three projects are just on the starting line of, of their potential to, to grow and replicate. And then probably one of my favourite ones, loop upcycling is probably one that we've, that we've given a lot, lot of support to over the last 12 months and, and, and investment. So they're a circular economy social enterprise that's working to address textile waste. So there's 800,000 tonnes mm. of textile waste go to landfill each year. Yeah. And we don't have a textile manufacturing industry in Australia because we've kind of offshored it yep. to shops in other parts of the world. Uh, and, and so we've got this cheap kind of fast fashion thing going on at the moment and it's creating a lot of waste. Mm. And, and corporates are big contributors to this. So um, they've got corporate uniforms that can't always go to landfill because they've got um, branding on them and you know people can sort of represent to be a water corp employee or a government employee or a company employee. And, yep. and you know, so these, these things need to be shredded, but what, what else can they do? So through their, their impact and community programs, they look to reduce their footprint and, and make an impact. And Loop gives them that opportunity. Um, for a fee, it takes disused corporate workwear. It works with community groups to create um, support and jobs for, for people that wouldn't otherwise have one. Mm. Um, and, and we upcycle with loop and take those that workwear and upcycle it into duffel bags, laptop satchels, uh, teddy bears. So um, they they work with um, Virgin. There was uh, there was an initiative around the Branson bear, um, yeah, right. which was the first product that you know in this kind of space that Richard Branson actually put his name behind. And um, that's a really nice local example of deep impact um across social and environmental outcomes yeah totally there's some great examples there and we'll we'll put links through to those in the article so for any uh any listeners jump onto the article and you can click on through and have a bit of an explore but to finish off sven what books would you recommend to our listeners yeah so books um i had to think on this one because again there's a there's a lot there i'm, I'm not a novel reader 
I like learning about the spaces I'm passionate about. Mm. Um, so over the past six months, I think well, 12 months, I've read Less Is More by Jason Hickle. Yep. That's a really cool um, systems thinking piece about uh, jobs, growth and GDP being our only measures of success mm. um, and how can, how can we affect systems change. And, and it talks about this contentious area of degrowth but you know like to, to start with i think we kind of need to accept the premise that gdp does not give you a well-being economy yeah yeah um throwing rocks at the google bus uh is is a doug rushkoff book he's also got um a, a number of other books this one was well ahead of its time about 10 years ago and sort of unpacks the what we know about platform monopolies like facebook mm. and google today and and the damage they can do with a profit focus that's got consequences, you know, about the way we consume media and yeah. erosion of democracy and how we end up with, with people like Trump. Um, and the the last one is 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 a lot closer to home and, and it's it's called Tile Fight by Paul Cleary. Um, so that documents the a decade long legal battle by the Injabadi people in the Pilbara that I mentioned before. Mm with uh, Fortescue Minerals Group yep. around their native title determination, preserving their cultural heritage and, and mining royalties. And, and, and I thought it was interesting to sort of reflect on the fact that Twiggy calls this royalty piece mining welfare um, because you can't actually hold... You can't accept the premise of, of native title and mining royalties being welfare at once. So mm. I think that's... A, interesting sort of well actually all three books are system the system's broken books yeah and how can we play a part in fixing it i think that's why we're all here right yeah yeah such a great point look those are three really great reads there so thanks for sharing those sven and thanks so much for your really generous insights and time today too it's been a pleasure to watch your journey evolve over the last couple of years and we can't wait just to see the further work that you and team continue to do. So best of luck with it and we'll track your journey and we'll be in touch again in the future. Thanks, Tom. We'll see you in, in September at the very least, right? Absolutely. Yep. The World Forum is coming. It's coming soon and we can't wait for it. So we'll see you then. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.